Father God, we come to you today during these challenging times. But Father, we ask, Lord God, as we lift up our leaders to you, Lord God, that they'll join together as one to work together, Lord God, to, to come up with solutions, Father God, to help their, the, the people of this country as well as the people in this world. Father, we pray, Lord God, that you give wisdom to our leaders this morning. Father, we pray, Lord God, that they'll be able to work together, to be able to join together, Father God, to come up with ways, Lord God, to make our lives easier, to be able to treat those, Lord God, that have been affected, Lord God. And Father, do we just thank you, Lord, for giving the wisdom that they need, Father, to get through this very difficult time. Lord, help them to make the important decisions, Father God, that they face each day. And Father, we ask that you guide them in every way. Father, we also lift up our health workers to you. Father God, these are people that are exposed, Father God, and vulnerable, Lord God, to these, this plague. And Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you put a hedge of protection around them. Father, we pray that you put a hedge of protection around us as well. Father God, that you keep these plagues from us because your word says that no plague will come nigh our dwelling. And you're a God, Lord God, that heals all diseases. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, for being with these health care workers. Father, be with them, Lord God. Protect them, Father God. And we thank you, Father, for extending your mercy and grace upon them. And Father, we come against this plague right now. Lord, this virus is causing havoc in this world. And Lord, we come against it in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that you put a stop to it. Father God, that this plague will no longer affect people, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that you finally bring this place, Lord God, to normalcy. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray that you work with the doctors, the, the scientists, Father God, the researchers, and everyone that are pulled together, Father, to come up with a solution, to come up with a vaccine, to come up with a cure to deal with this flu. Father, we thank you for providing the wisdom and the direction, Father God, to bring uh, healing for this, for this uh, virus, Lord God, and Lord, that put a stop to it in the name of Jesus. Father, those that are affected, Lord God, we pray for healing and restoration. And Father, we, again, we thank you because this is a time, Father, that you will show yourself strong and mighty on our behalf. Father God, that the world would know that you are truly the one and only God. And for this, we thank you. In your precious son's name, we pray. And all of you who believe, say with me, amen. Hallelujah. Well, this morning, I want to get right into the word. And uh, we thank God for blessing this time and using this word to uh, minister to every one of you, wherever you are. And I believe that God, because there's no distance with God, he can reach out and touch you wherever you are, wherever you're watching this and minister to your needs. And so, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for this word. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you, Father God, for, for, for giving us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And for this, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. One day, this couple decided that they needed to spend time together and do things together. So, after much discussion to try to figure out what they can do together, they both decided to try duck hunting. They wanted to duck hunt together. So before they went out duck hunting, they called to find out if there's anything that they need to make their experience together a success. So they were told that the main thing that they needed was a good hunting dog, 
a good hunting dog to hunt ducks. So they got the most expensive dog, one of the high-end dogs, and one of the dogs that are trained to retrieve ducks. After they got their ducks, they decided to go out on a hunting trip together as a couple. All day they spent trying to get some ducks. By the end of the day, however, they didn't catch one duck. So the husband, frustrated as he was, turns to his wife and says, Honey, we must be doing something wrong. We've been here all day, and we didn't catch one duck. And the wife looks at his husband and says, Honey, maybe if we throw the dog up a little higher, maybe then we'll catch a duck or two. There is a right way and a wrong way of doing things. There's also God's way of doing things. I believe that the reason why so many of us fall into difficulties is because of our unwillingness to do things God's way. Amen. And this morning we're going to see from the scriptures that God's way is the best way when it comes to handling everyday problems, facing challenges, overcoming temptations, uh, making better decisions, even becoming a better husband and father, or a better wife and mother, or even just being a better Christian. This morning we're going to learn how to do life God's way. Because when we choose life God's way, it only leads to success. Amen? And I'll show you what I mean. If you have your Bibles with you, go with me to 1 Kings chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading from verse 3 in the New Living Translation. And here we read the story where David reached the end of his age, old and dying. And he calls for his son Solomon to give him final instructions. And these are probably the most important instructions that David could ever give his son. And this is what he said to his son. Verse 3, observe the requirements of the Lord your God, and watch this, and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that, watch this, so that you will be successful in all you do. And wherever you go. David tells Solomon that success comes only by following all of his ways. Not some of his ways, but all of his ways. So according to the scripture, God's way is the best way to become successful and effective in everything that we set out to do. That means in every Christian endeavor, every marital endeavor, every business endeavor. In every other endeavor that you set out to do, God's way is the only way, the best way to be successful in life. Amen. Amen. So, but before we do that, let's begin first understanding God's way. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. When we compare the human perspective from man's perspective, from divine perspective, it is pretty obvious that there's a huge difference between the two. And Isaiah 55 and verse 8 shows us that. It begins by saying, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Verse 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. 
So God makes it very clear that his ways are far different than ours. And that his ways and thoughts are far more superior than our ways and his thoughts. Our thoughts. His ways are not only higher but bigger. Which means that his ways are far more greater and in a whole different uh, level compared to us. But one cannot get a great understanding or a better understanding or a better appreciation of these two verses without first going to the two preceding verses. So go with me to verse 6 and I'll show you what I mean. Verse 6 says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Now just the tone of this verse sort of implies that the people of Israel had very little time. It tells me that there's a day coming that God will no longer be found. A day that is coming that God, that the people will not be able to hear God. And the reason for that was because God was about to bring judgment upon these people. These people were a people that were corrupt, rebellious, and immoral. As a matter of fact, just to show you how depraved these people are, and how depraved they became, they began to worship other gods. They turned their back away from God, and they stopped praying to God, they stopped worshiping God, and turned to false gods. And many of them that were worshiping these false gods would offer their children as human sacrifices, as a worship to these gods. That's how depraved these people have become. So you can understand when it says, seek the Lord while he still may be found. And call upon him while he's still around to hear. Because God was about to bring judgment upon them. But listen, look at what verse 7 says. In verse 7 it says this. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man's his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God for he will abundantly pardon. So here we see God is saying return to the Lord. We're talking about a people that are immoral, a people that are rebellious, a people that are corrupt, a people who are depraved, yet God leaves the door open for them. And not only that, but he extends mercy and says that he will pardon them abundantly. Now to pardon abundantly means that God will pardon and forgive every kind of transgression without, without any reservations, without any exceptions. In Matthew 12 and verse 31, Jesus says this, Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven of men. So that leaves me the question, why would God forgive and pardon a rebellious, corrupt, depraved, and immoral people? Why would God do that? Well, that leads us to verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts nor my ways, your ways, says the Lord. So you see, that's God's way. That's how God rolls. You see, God's way is to be kind to his enemies. The Bible says that we are to love our enemies. It says that we are to bless them that curse us, to do good to them that hate us, to pray for them that despitefully use us and persecute us. That's the way God is. That's just how he rolls. That's his ways. Man's ways, however, is to forgive just a few times. To hate his enemy. 
and to get back in him for everything that he's done. God's ways is to forgive seven times 70. The Bible says that God will forgive many times over and he'll forgive completely and lovingly the last time as he did the first time. Glory to God. That's just God's way. Man's ways, however, is to forgive just a few times and only when it's necessary. In other words, when it's convenient to them. God's way is to put away all grudges and all bitterness. Man's way is to hold on to it and seek revenge. God's way is to judge not. Man's way is to judge. So you see the difference between the two. Man's ways is nothing compared to God's ways. But God's ways is much higher. God's way is much greater than man's ways. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so just to, just to give you a, 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 an example of the ways that God, that God is, uh, the way that his ways and thoughts are such much greater. The Bible says in Romans 5 and verse 8 that while we were still sinners, while we were still depraved, while we were still immoral, while we were still rebellious, Christ died for us. That's just his ways. Hallelujah. The Bible says that his ways are at a whole different level. Romans 11 verse 33 says this, and you can just write this down as a reference. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. How untraceable his ways are. Psalm 18 and verse 30 says this, that as for God, his way is perfect. And also in Psalm 145 and verse 17, it says this, that the Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. So you can see the difference between man's ways and God's ways. You can see the difference between man's perspective and human perspective. Glory to God. But let's take a moment to look at man's ways. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12. We understand now the difference between man's ways and God's ways. And we know that we cannot compare with God's ways. We know that man's ways are flawed. Man's ways are imperfect. Man's ways are fallible and limited. God's ways are not. In Proverbs 14 and verse 12 says this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. The implication here is that man's ways are confident. In other words, he's confident in, his, in the way that he chooses, in the direction that he chooses. But the scripture says that the end thereof or the end result is death. You see, there may be things that may seem right to us. There may be things that may seem good to us. There may be things that may seem the best way. But the scripture says that the end thereof is death. The word death in the Hebrew is the literal translation of that is actually the word ruin. So the end result of a man who feels confident in his ways is ruin. Look at Proverbs 21 and verse 2 while you're still in Proverbs. The scriptures tell us that doing things our way, even though it seems right, will only bring about bad results. In Proverbs 21 and verse 2, look at, listen to what it says. It says, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, 
but the Lord weighs the heart, or the way the Lord examines the heart. You want to know why the world is such a mess? You want to know why people always choose their own way? Because in their eyes, they seem like it's the right way. Do you know that there are 4,200 religions in this world? Roughly 4,200. And every follower of each of those religions seems to think that their religion is right in their own eyes. Every atheist, every humanist, every philosopher, they all seem to think that their way is the right way, and their way is only is right in their own eyes. Do you understand why this world is such a mess? Because man seems to think that his way is the best way and the only way. But look at what Isaiah 53 and verse 6 says. Isaiah 53 and verse 6 says this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone, watch this, to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Thank God for the Lord Jesus. Amen. When a sheep goes astray, it's because a sheep wandered off going its own way. And when it looks up, it finds itself lost and vulnerable to predators. We have so many people that have wandered off, gone astray, and found themselves lost and vulnerable to predators. Do you know that the Bible considers Jesus, uh, the devil as a predator? Because in, in, in 1 Peter 5, 8, the scripture says that the devil, who is a roaring lion, seek all those who, in, seek all those in order to devour them. In other words, the predator, the devil, is looking for those who are vulnerable so that he can devour and eat them up. And see, this is what the devil does. But if we go our own way, we put ourselves out there and become vulnerable for the devil to wreak havoc in our lives. This is why the world is in such a mess, because many people decided to go their own way. This is why so many are lost, because they've decided to go their own way. And there are so many people today that are lost and need to return back to the Lord. Amen? Look at what Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23 says. Because the reason why so many of us fall, the reason why so many of us fail, is because it's not in us to know the way. Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 23 in the Amplified Version says this. O Lord, please Jeremiah in the name of the people. He says, I know that the determination of or the way of man is not in himself. He says, it is not in man even in a strong man, or even in a man at his best, to direct his own steps. That is man's dilemma. He thinks he knows the way, but he has no idea where he's going. In his own eyes, he thinks he's right. In his own eyes, he thinks he knows the way. That's why man is so confident. But the scriptures tell us that the end thereof is death. Man has no capability of knowing how to find his way apart from God. He needs God to show him the way. But again, I, I stress and, and I emphasize the reason why the world is in such a mess is because we have so many people who think they know the way. They think they know where they're going. But it's obvious they have no idea because it's not in him to know the way. It's not in him to direct his paths. So the danger is not just the way he chooses. The danger here is the fact that they feel right in their own eyes about their choices that they make. And because of the scriptures tells us that it is not in man to know the way, the end result, according to Proverbs 14, 12, is that ruin 
and death and destruction is what they'll face. When you and I make choices that are apart from God, and then ask God to bless it, what we're doing is asking God to approve an idea that originated from us and not Him. Let us not think that God will stand behind you and approve every idea, every thought, or every decision you make that is apart from Him. God will not approve of that. If it does not come from Him, God will not bless it. If it does not come from Him, God will not approve of it. If the idea or decision that you make does not come from God, He will not stand by it. Come on now. This is man's dilemma. He thinks he knows the way, but he has no idea where he's going. But according to Proverbs 14, verse 12, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is ruin. And let me give you an example, because there are serious consequences when a man continues to follow his ways and not God's ways. Go to 1 Chronicles chapter 13 and verse 3, and we're going to read this from the New Living Translation. And here we read the story of David. And David was gathering up a team to go and look for the Ark of the Covenant and then bring it back to Jerusalem. Because the Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant and brought it to them. And, and, they've lost. and because of the fact that it, it caused so many problems to the Philistines that they abandoned the Ark of the Covenant, now David wanted to go back, find it, and bring it back to where it belonged. So we go to 1 Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 13 and it says this, It is time to bring back the Ark of God, for we neglected it during the reign of Saul. Now again, let me remind you what Proverbs 14, 12 says. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is ruin. Okay? There's always a price to pay when we choose our way over God's way. Now look down in verse 7, because finally David finds the Ark, and now he's preparing to bring it back. Verse 7, it says this, So they placed the ark of God on a new cart, and they brought it from Abinadab's house. Uzzah and Ahio were guiding the cart. And then in verse 8, the Bible says that David and all of Israel began to rejoice and celebrate with all of their might. They began to sing and play instruments and music and everything else because it was a time of celebration. And rightly so, because they found the ark of the covenant, and they were now bringing it back to Jerusalem. Because the Ark and the Covenant represents the presence of God. So it was a time to celebrate. However, they ran into a problem. Look at verse 9. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled and Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the Ark. Verse 10. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah and he struck him dead. Because he had laid his hands on the ark, so Uzzah died there in the presence of God. David had this idea of retrieving the ark and bringing it back to Jerusalem. That was a good idea. That was a God idea. However, his methods was the wrong method. David, instead of doing things according to God's way, David did it his own way. He formed his own team to gather the ark of the covenant. And even though David's intentions were good, he was seeking to fulfill God's plan on his own terms. Are you hearing me this morning? Understand that God has already established the proper way to move the Ark of the Covenant back during the days of Moses. 
And, it, and despite David's attempt to move the ark, you can see that he failed tragically and miserably. Uzzah reached out and touched the ark when he shouldn't have because anyone that touches the ark will die instantly. But Uzzah should not have been put in that position because he was just a normal guy. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 10 in verse 8. Because you see, David chose two men who were not Levites. These two men had no business moving the Ark of the Covenant because they were not assigned specifically by God. And so in verse 8 of chapter 10 of Deuteronomy, it says this, At the time the Lord had set apart the tribe of Levi to do what? To carry the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and to stand before the Lord as his ministers and to pronounce, and to pronounce blessings in his name. These are their duties to this day. So you see, God already assigned certain individuals to carry the ark in a certain way. And, the, and, and by them bringing the ark on a cart, it was not God's way of doing that. The ark of the, of the cart that was carrying the ark was made by man. The cart was not made under the instructions of God. The, ark, the, the cart that was carrying the ark was not designated for that purpose. It was not set apart. It was not sanctified. And it was not consecrated for this. So these people were already starting off on the wrong foot. But God had a prescribed way of moving the ark from one place to another. And David missed it. Had David sought the Lord and followed God's way, Uzzah would not have, uh, not have died. Uzzah, who was just a normal guy, not a Levite, should not have been in that position because David chose to do things his own way. Are you hearing me this morning? There's always a price to pay when we choose to do things our way and not God's way. And looking at David's example, he failed tragically because it cost someone a life because he chose not to do it God's way. Now, let's shift for a moment, and let's go back to looking at God's ways a little bit further. Go to 2 Kings chapter 5, because we know that God's ways are much higher than our ways. We know that His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. But as we read the Scriptures, we also find that God's ways can often be unconventional. We find that God's way can often be unorthodox. Sometimes His ways just doesn't make any sense. Sometimes it, it can be illogical. And we see that example over here in the story of Naaman. Naaman was a commander of the Syrian army. Naaman was considered a great man. He was considered a very honorable man. And he was a mighty man of valor. The problem with Naaman was a health issue. He had a serious health issue. He was a leper. He was afflicted with leprosy. And Naaman found out that there was a prophet in Israel that can heal his leprosy. His name was Elisha. And so what he did was he, after asking permission from his king, packed up his things, gathered some servants with him, and headed on his journey to Israel to find this man named Elisha because he wanted to be healed of this leprosy. <clears throat> Look at verse 9. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. Now let me just say this. Elisha already knew that Naaman was coming. Elisha was expecting Naaman to come to him to get that healing that he was looking for. Now look at verse 10. And Elisha sent a messenger to him 
saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. Now, how would you feel if you found out that a prophet was coming to Faith Christian Center and this prophet was anointed to heal all sicknesses and disease and do all kinds of miracles. And so we all come to church to see this man so that we can receive healing. So when they do the altar call at the end of service, we all can come up to the front of the altar so that the prophet can lay hands on us and pray over us and receive our healing. But when we all come, we get stopped at the door by an usher, probably Alan, under the instructions of the prophet. And as we stand at the door waiting to come in, the usher tells us, the, the prophet of God says this, go jump in the Seekonk River and dip yourself seven times and you'll be healed. How would you feel about that? What would your response be? Well, for me, I would be very disappointed because I wanted to see the prophet. I wanted the prophet to pray over me. I wanted the prophet to lay hands on me. I wanted to have that connection with the prophet. But then to be told to, at the door, to, instead of coming in, go just jump in the Seekonk River and you'll be healed. Well, look at what Naaman did. Look at his response. Go to verse 11. But Naaman became furious, and he went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, other translation says, I thought that he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. So Naaman had this preconceived idea of how he was to receive his healing. He thought that Elisha was going to come down, personally make the connection with him, pray over him, and call upon the name of the, God, uh, of the Lord, and wave his hand over his body, and he'll receive healing. But instead, he meets up with his messenger, only to hear that his messenger telling him, go jump in the lake seven times, and you'll be healed. And the scripture says that he went away in a rage. He was upset, he was disappointed, because it didn't go the way he wanted to go. How many of you know that God has a different way of doing things? His way are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. God has a unique, a unique way of doing things and handling situations. And never the way we do it. How many of us have ever missed God? Because we thought that God was going to move a certain way. How many of you prayed to God and asked God, Lord, I need a new job. Lord, I need some provisions. Lord, I need healing. And then we thought to ourselves how God was going to do it, who God, God was going to do it through, and when God is going to do it, only to find out that God did none of the above. God has his own way of doing things because his ways are not our ways. Naaman expected to be healed a certain way. He expected Elisha to personally come to him and heal him. But God has another way. And however strange it was, no matter how, how much it didn't make any sense to Naaman, he was so furious because if he was to jump in the lake, he could have done that back at home. And he made all this journey to come to Israel to meet with these Elisha to be healed, and he didn't do it. But instead, he got healed in the most strangest and most illogical way. But that's God's way. That's how God rolls. That's how he works things. And had it been for the servant that came with uh, Naaman, 
he would not have gotten healed because the words that would have prevented him from receiving his miracle was the fact that he said, I fought. When you start thinking and your thoughts are not like God, it's not going to come out the way you think it's going to come out. So rather than just thinking about it, just trust God and let him do it. Let him take care of it. Let him do the thinking because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Amen. Hallelujah. God operates at a much higher level. Naaman found out that real quick. God, throughout the scriptures, you'll find that God initiates everything. You'll find throughout the scriptures that God is the one that sets the agenda. One preacher says this, God is not our servant to make adjustments to our plans. He also says this, we adjust our lives to God so that he can do through us what he wants to do and not what we want to do. Amen. God calls us to trust and obey him. And even when things don't make any sense, even when it seems illogical, even when it seems unconventional, all he wants us to do is simply trust and obey him and then stand back and watch the way God works. Amen. Amen. Time will not allow us to talk about Joshua, who was an excellent illustration of God moving and working in, in such an illogical, unconventional way. When he was facing the walls of Jericho. And keep in mind that Israel, the army of Israel was not equipped to attack a fortress that well fortified. Is, uh, the Jericho was so tightly uh, shut in because of Israel. And, and the fact that they were not military prepared because they had no catapults. They had no battering rams. They didn't have horses. But yet God promised to give Jericho over to Israel. And the way God chose to do it was not by military means, but by unconventional means. He simply told them, I want you to march around the city once every day for six days. And then on the seventh day, march around seven times, then blow the trumpet, then shout and scream, and then the walls will come down. From a military perspective, that does not make any sense. But when we're dealing with God... Regardless of whether it makes sense or not, regardless of how unconventional and illogical, even unorthodox it may be, God always has the best way. And his way always gives us the best results. Amen. Glory to God. Go to Hebrews chapter 3. Because God's ways are higher than our ways doesn't mean that we can't know his ways. In Hebrews 3 and verse 10 We read a story where God was rehashing the history of his people. And he was talking about a generation, that is the first generation of God's people, that he delivered from Egypt. And these people had become a very uh, rebellious people, a people that was always complaining and constantly testing God. And in verse 10, we read where God says, Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said they always go astray and their heart, in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Verse 11 says, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. 
Now when you read this, it says that they have not known his ways, which is the reason why they never entered into their rest. But could it be that if they have known his ways, they would have entered his rest? Which tells me that we can know his ways. As high as his ways are, as unconventional his ways can be, we can still know his ways. I want you to go back to First Chronicles chapter 15. And let's go back and talk about David once again. First Chronicles chapter 15 in the New Living Translation. Three months after David failed from retrieving the ark and bringing it back to Jerusalem, David was now preparing to go back out to retrieve the ark and bring it back a second time. Only this time, he was doing it God's way. Uh, in 1 Chronicles 15 and verse 1 says this, David now built several buildings for himself in the city of David. He also prepared a place for the ark of God and set up a special tent for it. Now look down at verse 2. Then David commanded, watch this, no one except the Levites may carry the ark of God. The Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of the Lord and to serve him forever. David now gets it. David now realized that the only way and the best way to retrieve the ark and bring it back was God's way. He finally assigned Levites who were supposed to be assigned to carry the ark and not just anybody else. His team now was a team that God would approve of. It was a team that God had assigned specifically to carry the ark. And so we know that David learned a very valuable lesson from his first experience. Go to verse 13. Look at verse 13 and listen to what he says. Because you Levites did not carry the ark the first time. Everyone say the first time. All those of you watching say the first time. And the anger of the Lord our God burst out against us. Now watch this. This is what I want you to see. We failed to ask God how to move it properly. In other words, David realized his mistake. His mistake was not to go to God first to seek his way. He didn't go to God first and say, Lord, how do I do this? Lord, how do I go and find this? How do I bring this thing back? Instead, he gathered his own team formed his own uh, team, and then went out and got it on his own, only to fail miserably and tragically. But this time he came back, and he realized that his mistake was that he did not seek God first. <clears throat> you can know God's ways. In, in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 13, the Bible says that Moses went before the Lord and sought his ways. Then in Psalm 103 and verse 7, it says that God showed his ways to Moses. If Moses can know God's ways, so can we. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if Moses can do it, so can we. And if God can show him his ways, God can show us also his ways. Amen. So God says that we are to seek his ways first. Matthew 6 and verse 33 tells us, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to us. He says in Matthew 6, 24, Take no thought for your life, what you should hear, what should you drink, or what you should wear. Jesus says that the Gentiles worry about these things. The Gentiles are preoccupied with these things. The Gentiles are the ones that put these things as a priority. But what God is saying, this is my way. 
He says, I already know the things that you have need of before I even ask. But he says instead, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things he says shall be added to us. That is the things that he knows that we have need of. He says he will add it to us even without even asking. But it pays to seek God first, his ways. Because when we do that, then we can succeed in everything that we set out to do. Now look at verse uh, 15. Because once they found the ark, and once God, uh, David realized what the right way is after seeking God, they brought back the ark. And in verse 15 it says, Then the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders and with its carrying poles, just as the Lord had instructed Moses, glory to God. I'll tell you, I just thank God for second chances. David failed miserably because he tried doing it his way. But then he realized, my mistake was I didn't go to God first. I didn't make him a priority. And so when he did that, God showed him the proper way. And he was able to do it the way he was supposed to have done it. And, he, and finally, he was a success. I want you to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. And this is not in my notes, but Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 26, and in verse 5, I want you to listen to King Uzziah and how he was become, how he became a successful king. This is what it says in verse 5. Uzzah, or Uzziah, sought God during the days of Zechariah the prophet, who taught him to fear God, and watch this, And as long as the king sought guidance from the Lord, God gave him success. How did he receive success? He sought God first. How did David finally get it right the second time? He sought God first. When David failed the first time, he came back and he sought the Lord and said, Lord, I messed up. What do I do? How do I do this? And God was able to show him the way. Man, it's just so, I'm so thankful that we can go to God and ask him for directions about what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Because God always knows the best way. Come on now. It is only through prayer and the word that we can learn God's ways. With all the uncertainties that we have in life, You know, life as we know it is like a road full of twists and turns with so many uncertainties. Three weeks ago, never in my wildest imagination we would be in a situation that we are in today. These are the uncertainties of life. We don't know what's coming around the corner, but God does. And one of the differences, or one of the many differences between us and God is our viewpoints. We both have different viewpoints. You see, God sees everything from start to finish. We only see everything one thing at a time, progressively. It's like watching a parade. If we're standing here watching a parade, we watch one marching band after another, one at a time. One float after another, one float at a time. God, however, sees the whole parade from beginning to end, from start to finish. In other words, God sees the entire landscape while our focus is on a single valley. So God sees everything, which makes Him such a wonderful God. 
which is the reason why his ways are much higher than our ways. But God has provided us the means for us to know how to live his way in the midst of all these uncertainties, and we all have a copy of it, and that's his word. And one of the ways, and as I mentioned again, the only way to learn and to seek and to find out God's ways is through, his, is through prayer and through his word. God has made up a written prescription for us to follow. Are you hearing me? A prescription that we have handy. And as long as we follow that prescription, we can't go wrong. God wants to show us his ways. And the way that he does that is through his word. As I get ready to close, I want to end with this last illustration. God wants to show us his way. And the way to do that is by seeking him in prayer and by seeking the word, his written prescription. When a plane takes off, the pilot needs a control tower to guide it, right? Because the control tower can see what the pilot cannot see because of its limited vantage point. The pilot cannot see above them and it cannot see below them. But the pilot, with all of their instruments, cannot see the weather conditions that will affect their flight plan because of their limited vantage point. But the people in the control tower can give them information that will help them to get through what they need to get through. Information that they wouldn't know because of their limited vantage point. God's word is a control tower for every Christian. Where we have only limited vantage point, God's word can communicate to us everything that's going on in the spiritual realm that we cannot see to help show us the way. Are you hearing me? So because of that, we've got to believe that God sees what you and I cannot see. We've got to believe that he sees what is not visible to us because we can't see what's coming around the corner. And most important of all, we've got to believe that in all of his wisdom, God knows what is best way for us and that he wants us to show us the way that he's provided for us, which is his word. So let me leave you with this question. Do we choose to do things God's way, the way God shows it to us in his word, or do we choose to do things our way. And I believe that after looking through the scriptures, we find that the best way and the only way is to do it through God's way. How many of you agree with me with that? God's way is the best way to succeed. Glory to God. At this time, before we close out the service, I want to pray. Those of you that are watching, those of you that are here, if you've never given your life to the Lord, because of the terrible times that we're in, because of the, the challenging times that we're living in right now, now's the time that we need.